Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. And what I'm going to share this morning is not a discouragement, but it just ties in with what we're going to be studying this morning in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And so, court upholds Connecticut's transgender athlete policy. A federal appeals court on Friday dismissed a challenge to Connecticut's policy of allowing transgender girls to compete in girls' high school sports, rejecting arguments for four cisgender runners who said they were unfairly forced to race against transgender athletes. And if you're not familiar with some of these terms, I have to look them up regularly. I ask people regularly. Cisgender just means that uh, you were born a male, you identify as a male, and it doesn't matter what you identify are, you will always be a male, period. But this is the language that they're using now. So if you hear that word cisgender, that just means a person that was born a male and says, yes, I'm a male. A person is born a female. Yes, I'm a female. So in this case, there's four ladies, females, that's all there is, male or female, they're saying, hey, our rights are being violated because we have to compete against biological men. The federal court appeals a court on Friday, December 16, 22, dismissed a challenge to Connecticut's policy of allowing transgender girls, allowing adult males, to compete girl in girls' high school sports, rejecting arguments by the four women runners who said they were unfairly forced to race against transgender or male athletes. A three-panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York City upheld the lower court's judge's dismissal of a lawsuit challenging the policy. The panel said the four women athletes lacked standing to sue. So guys, we're in a spiritual battle. If you're new to the faith, this might be new to you, and that we're going to go over 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You're going to see we're in a spiritual battle. And you want to keep that in the forefront of your mind as we wrap up 22 and we go into 23. Because according to our president the other day, if you are against gay marriage, if you are against that, you are also against biracial marriage, you're prejudiced, you're also against trans, and you are basically a threat. You are a racist if you're against these things. Now, I think this was the administration that three years ago said that they're going to bring science to the White House and that the adults are now going to be in the White House. Neither one has taken place, unfortunately. So the panel said the four women athletes lacked standing to sue in part because their claims that they were deprived of wins, state titles, and athletic scholarship opportunities were speculative. All four plaintiffs regularly complete, competed at state track championships as high school athletes, where plaintiffs had the opportunity to compete for state titles in different events, the decision said. And on numerous occasions, plaintiffs were indeed champions, finishing first in various events, even sometimes when they're competing against a transgender athlete. The judges added, plaintiffs simply have not been deprived of a chance to be champions. 
So this is where we are in 2022 and where we're heading to in 2023. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. So that we could find some encouragement amongst the discouragement. And to realize that Jesus told us these days would come to pass. 2 Peter chapter 3. Beloved, now I write to you this second epistle, in both of which I in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So notice that, pure minds. Stay focused on the purity of the gospel. The word of God says, be simple concerning evil. We don't need to study evil. Evil is evil. If you're studying your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, evil just pops out. It's so obvious. But it's not obvious if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. It's not obvious. And that's what we're seeing happening in our country today. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So in other words, stay in the word of God. You just read it. Stay in the word of God. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. You might want to read Romans chapter 1 sometime this week. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Notice acknowledgement of creation. For this they willingly forget, Peter goes on to say, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. That was the first judgment, catastrophic judgment. Not just an isolated judgment as Sodom and Gomorrah, but a worldwide judgment, the flood, which cannot be denied. Yes, people can try to deny it, but it cannot be denied. It's scientifically true. The next judgment is going to be fire. So Peter goes on to say, but the heavens and the earth will now be, are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. His promise of what? Of justice, of judgment. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Towards who? Towards humanity. Not willing that any should perish. And when you look up that word perish there, that means eternal separation from God. Because Peter knows, and the word tells us, that we're all going to die. Everyone in this room, even the CDC has been right to say that 10 out of 10 people are still going to die. They've been wrong on a lot of other things, but they got that right. Everyone in this room is going to die. But this is eternal separation from God. Very, very important to realize. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So even in these days we're living in, where we read this nonsense of these highly educated people making such uh, ridiculous judgments, we can get very frustrated, very angry, have a lot of animosity. 
We have to go back to the word of God that Jesus says, this will happen. This will happen. Stay focused on heaven. And remember, you have an influence around you of six, eight, ten people that need Jesus. Those are the people that we need to minister to by being Christians. Not bashing authorities, not swearing, not drinking, not doing drugs, but actually being Christians, giving them that example of, oh, there is a real God and he's transformed your life because I remember what you used to be. And now, man, you have changed so much via the Holy Spirit. Why? Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That's a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled. So if you're putting your hope in this world, your hope is in the wrong place. Our hope is in Christ and bringing people to Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't vote or any of those other things. We need to do those responsible things. But don't place your hope in government. Don't place your hope in the pastor. Place your hope in Jesus Christ. As I've said several times over the years, if you stick around here long enough, I will disappoint you. I'm just a human being. Come to me. Let me know. I'll repent. I'll try to make it right. Whatever it is, okay, I'm not above. We're together in this battle. Verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Doing what? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, so now the believer, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And you can read Revelation 21, 22 to see with that, that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. You see the exhortation? And guys, this was written almost 2,000 years ago where Christians were being martyred for Christ. They weren't being held up as rich as the great politicians, as this or that. They were being martyred for Christ because of language like this. That's why Caesar burned down Rome. He had an easy scapegoat. It was those Christians that did this. And in the first 300 years, as you do your history, they estimate, they estimate, they don't know exactly, but they estimate three to five million Christians were martyred for Christ in the first 300 years of the church. Three to five million Christians died for saying, I believe in Jesus, and I will not bow my knee to Caesar. I will not take a pinch of incense and put it on an altar and say, Caesar is Lord. I will not do that. Jesus is Lord. And that's where we're at. You're either going to bow the knee to the government and to the social agenda that's taking place, or you're going to stand up and say, I will not bow my knee, but to God alone. And it will cost you your job. And if you don't think it will, it might. It's been happening. It might cost you family members. 
It might cost you everything you have. And you don't think that's real. I don't know where you've been the last two years. It is costing people to take a stand for Christ. So you and I, we have to take a stand for Christ and not be surprised at what's taking place. Do our due diligence. Be involved. But don't be shocked or surprised. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent, be found in him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And considering that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our brother, beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, and also in all his epistles. Notice this, that Peter in the first century is going to equate Paul's writings equivalent to the word of God. Very, very important. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Yeah, read Romans. Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. And we've seen that over the last year where politicians will take a verse, take it totally out of context, to try and make it sound like they're doing a biblical duty. Abortion is not a biblical duty. It's murder. And twisting the scriptures is not going to change the fact that it is murder. As they do also, notice this, the rest of the scriptures. So you and I, we have to take a stand for the scriptures. No, marriage is between one genetic male, one genetic female. Homosexuality is a sin. It's not a greater sin than drunkenness. It's not a greater sin than gossiping. It's sin. Now, yes, it could have more severe consequences, but in God's realm, sin is sin. So we need to pray that people might receive Christ as their Savior. Verse 17, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand... Since we have this, guys, we know, the, we know the rest of the story. God wins. Jesus shows up. He speaks. The enemy's done. You know, it's not a big battle. He, he shows up. The brightness of his glory, the word of his mouth, battle done. Satan's locked up for a thousand years. Keep, guys, keep the proper perspective. God's got a plan. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And I believe this is a great encouragement for us to stay away from a lot of trash that is on the internet these days. Where we as Christians get caught up in political activities or conspiracy theories, forgetting that we are an ambassador for Christ. We are not an ambassador for any political party, for any social agenda. We are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. People need to be saved. You argue somebody over something, there's somebody smarter behind you that's going to argue with them as well. Take the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not by the hearing of Jim. Hearing by the word of God. And now his final exhortation, but grow, and this is for you and I, but grow in the grace and knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, I think it's really good that people are involved with politics and we have brothers and sisters in Christ and praise God they're called to do that. I'm not called to do that. But we support them. Even here, we support them financially. I have no issues with that. But be careful that that you are called and that we all remember what we're called. We're called ambassadors for Christ. Don't place any other calling above your ambassadorship for Christ. 
If you do, you've been deceived. You've been deceived of your ultimate calling as a believer in Jesus Christ. We have the good news. Billions of people are going to hell. We have the good news. Salvation is free. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. In 2022, 2022 is part of forever. To Him be the glory. And as I shared, team, just praise God that these guys love Jesus. Wonderful time of coming before the throne of God and realizing, God, you sent your son. You didn't send a priest. You didn't send a pope. You sent your son to be raised by teenagers so that we might come and have intimate fellowship with you for all of eternity. Don't get caught up in the temporal, guys. It's all going to burn. Stay focused on the eternal. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We know you have a plan and a purpose, and it's grieving. It is so grieving what's taking place in our society. It's sad. And Father, if we're not careful, we can allow the enemy to get us mad, to get us angry. And not just a righteous anger, but just a fleshly anger, a fleshly frustration, a fleshly disgust. And we forget that these people need Jesus. These people are confused over what life really is, that we're made in the image of God, and that we are to procreate through marriage. Father, we thank you for these days we're living in. For as it gets darker, it allows us to burn brighter. The obvious is obvious. So Lord, help us to stay in the obvious and not to fret about what is taking place because it's only going to get worse. That's just biblical. That's just reality. Help us to stay focused on our calling that we might lead people to Christ this week, not waiting for the next week or next year or next month. No, this week, maybe even today in this room right now. Father, we as a, as a flock, as believers, we pray for every individual in this room right now that does not know Jesus, that you would remove their spiritual eyes. Yes, they might intellectually know of him, but he is, if he is not in their hearts, if they have not asked Jesus to be their savior, Remove the blinders now, Father, that they would repent and turn to you for salvation. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you're new or visiting, and we're going through the Bible book by book, and we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians verse by verse, and we went over some very uncomfortable verses over the last few weeks about finances. Again, I do want to remind you, because I know some people like to do this. Um, if you'd like to give a special gift, make sure we have it by December 31st. Uh, the first Sunday in, in January is January 1st. And if you write a check on January 1st, it will apply to 23, not 22, um, that we do abide by the law. So if you want to make a special donation, make sure you get it to us before uh, the 31st. 
Spiritual warfare. Now I, Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in appearance am lowly among you, being, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In these first few verses here, Paul is going to share with the Corinthians, as well as us, a spiritual principle. Now remember as a pastor, I'm to mentor you, you, disciple you, train you for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry takes place here on Sunday morning, children's ministry and various ministries, ushering, greeting, but also for the work of the ministry 24-7 for the rest of the week. That's the role of the pastorate. And so here's a spiritual principle that is foundation to our Christian faith. Unfortunately, it is a spiritual principle that most Christians have very little interest slash participation in. Not interested in it. And since I'm not interested in it, I definitely don't participate in it. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. So why is Paul addressing this here? Because he needs to teach this young church the difference between a potential wolf and a loving shepherd. You see, the rest of the chapter is going to show us that there are those who are coming in who wanted to steal sheep away from the simplicity of the gospel. They were religious Jews who were trying to keep certain aspects of the law. Notice capital L. First five books of the Bible, the Torah, the law. And the Corinthians allowed them, allowed them. Now these are, un, these are Gentiles, not Jews. There were Jews as well in the church, but predominantly the Corinthian church was made up of Gentiles. So they never had the law. They didn't understand the law. The law was not a part of their daily lives. They could care less. Now they got saved, and now religious Jews are coming in and trying to infiltrate their simple faith with, you must follow the law. The Corinthians allowed them to come into the church and affect the simplicity of the gospel the finished work of the cross. And this is not new as we look back to Acts 15, 1 and 2. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless, notice that word there, this is in your Bible, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses. That would be the first five books of the Bible. You cannot be saved. So it's not new, guys. We just talked to somebody this past week who was looking for the church, and he said, a church, and I said, well, look under their doctrinal statement, and you know, you'll say, well, we did. And they had this interesting statement in there, and they, they said something about baptism. And, and I forget how they worded it to me, but it was like very subtle, but I go, that's interesting. So basically what they're saying, if you dig deeper, is you need to be baptized into their church to be saved. I, I'd put 90% guarantee on, on what I just said. Do some more research and you'll find that they believe, yes, salvation is free, but you need to be baptized. There is the old famous but. 
Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, this is called intimate Christian fellowship, disagreeing. (laughs) They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. You see, Paul and Barnabas prevailed over those who were arguing salvation through the cross plus circumcision, but that didn't put an end to those who desired to impose rules and regulations upon others to guarantee their salvation. There will always be those who try to add to the finished work of the cross. Most of the time, though, it becomes quite clear that this type of person is dealing with spiritual pride. They come knocking on your doors, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons. Oh, you need to join our church in order to truly be saved. Because we're Christians too. No, you are not. A Christian is a Christ follower. You follow Jesus. And Jesus said that he was God over and over and over again. And they'll say, oh, Jesus never said that. They haven't read their Bible. For some reason, they have to be able to say that they had or have something to do with their salvation. Just think that through. Even as a Catholic, I was raised Roman Catholic. We don't bash churches around here. We just speak the truth in love. Because salvation's on the line here, guys. Eternity is on the line. We just don't want people playing church, thinking they're going to heaven when they're going to hell. So punching the clock on a Sunday morning is not going to get you into heaven. Saying a few Hail Marys and a couple Our Fathers is not going to get you into heaven. might make you feel good for a few moments. It is not getting you into heaven. So this is real. This is very, very real in our lives. And so we have to be ambassadors for Christ. So in verse 1 there, even though Paul is going to take these false leaders to task, he approaches a situation with meekness and the gentleness of Christ. You see, there will be times when the Lord dealt with firmness, clearing the temple, and calling the religious elite into accountability. But predominantly, predominantly, the Lord's life and ministry was one of meekness, and gentleness. Matter of fact, he said, follow me, for I am meek. I am meek. We'll get into that. You see, Paul is teaching the sheep at this point, not necessarily addressing his accusers. See, meekness is not weakness, but rather strength in humility. Strength in humility. And gentleness is mildness or fairness. Fairness. You see, Paul is going to approach the situation with humility, being mild, and calling their attention to how fair he has been in their dealings with them. Unlike those who are coming into the church at Corinth and calling themselves teachers, Paul's ministry had not been based on a title, but upon the Christian faith in action. Very important for you and I, even this day we're living in. Christian is being redefined, guys. Christians are being redefined. If you believe that marriage is between one genetic male, one genetic female, you are not a Christian. You're an extremist. Because Christians accept everyone, because God accepts everyone. And Christians love everyone because God loves everyone. It sounds real sweet, and it's true. God does love everyone, and Christians should love everyone. But God does not approve of everything And we should not approve of everything as well. We go to the word of God in my life or anyone else's life. But that's what they're telling us as Christians. 
you have to not only acknowledge, you have to endorse a lifestyle. And if you don't, if you don't think this is real, I don't think you've talked to anyone who's gone through hiring over the last year or so. There are certain companies that put it on their front page or put it in certain aspects of who they want to apply. Certain people don't need to apply. If you don't endorse certain things, don't even bother applying because you're not going to get the job. Huh. I thought that was against the law 30 years ago. You couldn't ask stuff like that in an interview. Now it's right on the front page. If you don't believe in this, don't even bother applying. Interesting. So you see, our Christian faith has to be an action. It can't be in the back seat anymore. It can't be in the trunk. You can't hide it in the glove compartment. You're either sold out for Jesus or you're not. That's what it's coming down to. And if you're not sold out for Jesus, you're going to get swept away. You're going to get swept away. Very, very sad reality. See, his previous letter was very bold in dealing with the problems that were taking place within the church. Division, sexual immorality, taking each other to court, drunkenness at that wonderful celebration of communion. Unfortunately, most churches will not address these issues nowadays. They're afraid. They're afraid of a lawsuit. They're afraid of numbers. They're afraid, they're afraid, they're afraid. They're not afraid of letting people go to hell, but they're afraid of addressing real issues that are biblical issues. Paul was not afraid. But even though there was boldness, the letter was written with concern and penned with love, as if you know anything about the word of God. 1 Corinthians 13 is called the great love chapter. So even in the midst of his rebuking and correcting and disciplining, he taught them what agape love is really all about. Not phileo, not eros, not storge. Agape love, agape love. Remember that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter as well, 2 Corinthians. It wasn't just a man trying to convey a a temporal earthly message, but one that has been passed down through the centuries and is eternal. Matter of fact, Romans 15, 4 says this, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, for our instructions. Guys, I know I say this on a regular basis. Please read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I know, we're getting ready to start, and I get, I, I get excited about January 1st. Get to start all over again, Genesis 1-1, and get to read all the way through Revelation 22-21. But I get bogged down in Deuteronomy. I get bogged down in Leviticus. I get bogged down in Numbers. I get it. Blow through it. Get it in here. Let the Holy Spirit do something with it if he wants to. But so many times, people use that as an excuse. Well, I got into numbers, and that was, you know, five years ago, and I just don't read my Bible. (laughs) Really? Did you get bogged down at work ever in the last five years? And you didn't try to improve yourself at work because you just got bogged down? You wouldn't have a job if you used that excuse. No, the company expects you to mature, to work through it, and learn. Build a better product. Show me you can build a better product if you've got a better idea. They're all ears. You come up with a better idea, they will take it. They'll be happy to have it. So don't use that excuse. That we through the patience, that word patience there in the Greek is cheerful endurance. How can we have cheerful endurance through these days we're living in? It's depressing. Well, if you're focusing on it, you're going to be depressed. I'm cheerful because I'm going home. However I get there, through martyrdom or through old age, and it's not going to be very long, just Jesus is coming back. 
It's not going to be 50, 60, 70 years. It's going to be within the next 10 to 20 years Jesus is coming back. Read his Bible. Jesus said, this generation, this generation shall not pass until the sun's return. We are of that generation. Well, people have been saying that for decades. Yeah, well, they said that before Israel was a nation in 1948. And they said that before Jerusalem became a part of Israel in 1967. The prophetic time clock, I believe, started in 1967. Do your homework. Add 70 to 80 years to 1967. We are close to being called home, guys. That's cheerful endurance. That's like, let them have it. They can have it. They can have everything I got in my bank account. They can have it. Turn it into a Bitcoin. I'm in heaven. <laughs> Praise God. Have fun. Try to eat that gold. See how that works. That we, through the patience and comfort, you guys see that? This is in the Bible. This isn't from Pastor Jim. This is in the Bible. Comfort of the scriptures. Are you finding comfort in the scriptures? Because if you're trying to find it in the government, you ain't ever going to get it. Might have hope. That's why I have a living hope. That's why on my worst day, it doesn't matter. The glasses, I got a glass. And it's got something in it. Praise God. Because this is going to be the worst day when I get to heaven. Praise God. Verse 2. 2 Corinthians 10, 2. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence which I intend to be bold against some. Against some. And if you read the word, (laughs) there was a time when Paul said, you know what? I command that you be blind. And the person was blind. You didn't want to mess with Paul. If he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to do something, he was inspired and the Holy Spirit fulfilled it. So that's what he's saying. Hey, I don't want to be bold towards some, but if I have to be, who think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. Against some, you see, Paul needed to address those who were accusing him of not being an apostle or one with authority. But even though he was going to address them, he didn't come down to their level of immaturity. Because he knew that this was a spiritual battle. Guys, this is what we're entering in these verses here. We're entering into a spiritual battle. Spiritual battles are not won by using fleshly abilities, but by using the word of God in prayer. Please notice that. As we continue down this road in 23, it's going to get worse. This, this administration has taken us down another 50%, if not more, from where we started in 08. That administration took us down 50% in eight years. The next administration leveled it off, still idiotic. And now this administration is taking us down another 50%. So don't be surprised if it keeps going down. Look up. Look up. Because this is a battle. Now, maybe you're new to the Bible, so you might be going, what does that mean according to the flesh? That means fleshly ways of doing things. Well, I'm just going to pull out a gun. I'm going to pull out a machete. I'm going to burn a house down. I'm going to do this. No, that's, that's flesh. Those are fleshly means. They do not work. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as you turn there, I'm going to say it again. Spiritual battles are not won by using fleshly abilities, but by using the word of God in prayer. Now, again, I want to say this so that nobody takes anything to an extreme. I am not implying that we shouldn't do what we can do politically or otherwise, but that is not my salvation, and I would encourage you to not make it your salvation. If God's called you to do something, then fulfill God's calling on your life. 
But don't forget your first calling. We're all an ambassador for Christ. Deuteronomy 8, every commandment which I command you today must be care- you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. And I personally believe that's what we're going through right now. The Christian faith is going through a humbling and a testing process. Are you willing as a believer to trust God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Not just love him, but literally trust him. Because there are supposedly Christian churches that are marrying same-sex marriages, ordaining homosexuals, lesbians. It's not in the scriptures. That's just fact. To know that this was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, this is not as part of salvation. Salvation's off the table. But as we as believers, are we willing to keep God's commandments or not? Are we willing to take a stand or not? Guys, this is where we are in 22. And it's going to be more uncomfortable in 23. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God. You see, we're spoiled in America, and we have a lot of bread. We have a lot of food. So when things start to get a little bit tight, we go crazy and stockpile toilet paper. (laughs) We know a family that filled their garage with toilet paper. You going to eat that? What are you going to do with that? But every man lives, mankind, men and women, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not, listen to this, your garments did not wear out. For 40 years? Well, that can't be true. Well, then you don't believe the first 10 words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You don't believe that. And if you don't believe that, then you're not going to believe this. Could God do that? Well, I think if he spoke everything, if Jesus spoke everything to being, I think he could cause the garments not to wear out. But, you know, your God is your God. I'm going to follow the God of the Bible. Your garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Isn't that an incredible thought? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Guys, we're in a spiritual battle. The exhortation in 2 Corinthians 10 Pray without ceasing. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, you're at work and you're supposed to be busy on your job. I got to pray, I got to pray, I got to pray. No, 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 no. That means, you know, in those down times when your mind is floating away and you're thinking of really bizarre things, take those thoughts captive and start to pray for that person that you're thinking about. That's what that's talking about. Pray without ceasing. Don't let your mind just go into neutral and start thinking about all these vain things. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So many Christians will ask, well, what's the will of God for my life? You just got one right there. Are you a thankful person? No. Well, then you're not obeying the will of God because that's what the Bible just taught you to do. Get past the first will and maybe he'll show you the second will. And he'll keep showing you various wills. But if you don't even want to do one will, 
Where are you going? What's your faith? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As we look at verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, so again, a new believer, we're walking around in these bodies, that's what it's talking about. So though we walk around in these bodies, we do not war according to these bodies. So when something happens, yes, my first reaction is to react fleshly, but I need to train myself as a believer and as I mature in a believer that that shouldn't be my first reaction, but maybe my first reaction needs to be step back, take a breath, and ask, what's going on here? Not necessarily outwardly, but at least in the head. What's going on here? If my response is going to be fleshly, the other day, this just popped into my head. Hmm. And I had to pray through this. Your pastor had to pray through this because I was having vain imaginations. I went to Home Depot and I had a trailer. And at Home Depot, they have these two slots that are clearly marked trailer parking only. And on a regular basis, I get there and there's pickup trucks because these guys are way more important than the sign. So I pull in and and one of them's open. I'm going, thank you, God. Okay, I don't have to park way out there because I got to get stuff. And a guy pulls in front of me in a truck. And so I just stop right where I'm at. And I just look at him through my windshield. And he he literally turns around, looks at the sign. Says, so you want me to move? And he walks into the store. I started to have vain imaginations. I had to go, okay, what just happened? An idiot just took the spot. And I had to start praying for that idiot. Because he needs Jesus. I don't believe a Christian would do that. So I had to immediately take those thoughts. If you read this, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not, look at verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. My mind started to think about how I could get this guy. While he's in Home Depot, I'm going to just take a drill and put a couple holes in the tire. In the sidewall. Now, if you know anything about tires, you know what that means. (laughs) You can't fix the sidewall. Yeah, I'll teach you, sucker. Yeah, I know none of you guys ever go through this. So, you know, I know, I know, I know. I'm really weird and you probably don't want to come back to this church. (gasps) Here are some various ways, you know. We might try to talk ourselves out of a situation through fleshly me. We might try to talk ourselves out of a situation. But most of the time we get ourselves into trouble because we open our mouths too quickly and say too much. It's important to engage our brains before we open our mouths with this not really happening these days. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. So if you like to talk a lot, I encourage you to memorize this verse. But he who restrains his lips or her lips is wise. You want to be wise? Step back, take a breath, and ask yourself, what's happening here? So I parked a little bit further out. I had to walk a little bit further. And it gave me an opportunity to pray for these guys while I was in Home Depot that I didn't run into them and say anything stupid. But I prayed for them. 
You have to take what? Verse five, look at verse five. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jim. Does your Bible say that? Putting your name there, obviously. No, to the obedience of Christ. You have an anger issue? Get used to obeying Christ and your anger will go away. He will, the Holy Spirit. We might try to walk away from a situation pretending that something didn't happen or that it just doesn't exist. Now, this is dealing with warring in the flesh. So we could try to talk our way out. We could try to walk our way out. We might try to intimidate someone into submission or manipulate someone through our actions, this battling of the flesh. So we could try to talk our way. We could try to walk our way. We could try to intimidate. We could try to manipulate you see, there are various ways in which we try to get our way. That's the bottom line. I'm going to get my way. And most of them are probably based upon fleshly endeavors. You see, Paul shows the Corinthians as well as us that even through this current situation, he cannot deal with those who are accusing him through any type of fleshly approach. As we go over verses 4 and 5 here very quickly, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. We've already read 4 and 5. I'll read them again as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Can't pull out a gun. Can't pull out a machete. Can't beat somebody up. Can't run somebody over. But mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. Maybe that's your old way of doing things. And maybe that's still a stronghold in your life. Then you have to allow God to tear that down. Whatever that might be. Backbiting talking bad about somebody on social media, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Oh, man, I'd really like to do something to this individual, but I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Okay, God, help me right now because I'm not feeling love right now. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, Finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, the word of God, put it all on, that you may be able to stand against the tactics, the schemes, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, since you now know these things, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, we've done everything we can do, what's going to happen at the end of the day? We're going to be standing. We're going to be standing. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to take the battle into the spiritual world and get on your knees and say, God, I want to be standing in the last day. I don't want to compromise with this world. I don't, I don't want to go down that road. So God, I need more of your Holy Spirit. My family's pressuring me. Social media is pressuring me. My friends are pressuring me. My work's pressuring me. God, I need more of your Holy Spirit. This is not a flesh and blood war. This is spiritual war. I want to stand. Notice back in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, as we get ready to wrap it up here. Notice who has the authority or the might to defeat the enemy and his tactics. Notice what it says. I have all these verses highlighted, 3, 4, and 5. But notice specifically, it says what? Mighty in God. 
mighty in God. It's not mighty in the Republican Party. It's not mighty in the Democratic Party. It's not mighty in socialism. It's not mighty in atheism. It's not mighty in whatever ism you want to put on there. It's mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down means demolition. Demolition. Do you have an area of your life that needs to be demolished, needs to be pulled down? And you just think, well, you know, if I just do this, then, and then everything will be fine. And if you really evaluate what you just said, you're probably doing it fleshly things, you know? It's kind of like the person that wants to stop smoking. They get up in the morning, they go, I'm not going to have a cigarette today. I'm not going to have a cigarette today. I am not going to have a cigarette today. And they have breakfast, and they, I'm, I normally have a cigarette after I'm not going to have a cigarette after breakfast. I'm, you know, I'm going to work right now, and I'm not going to have a cigarette. I'm just not going to have a cigarette. And they go throughout the day, you know, at lunchtime, I'm not going to have a cigarette. And all of a sudden, dinner time's home, you know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just where's my pack? Where is that pack? I've got to have a cigarette. That's typically what happens. We try to focus on it with the flesh, with the mind. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm not going to do it. Mighty through Jim. Doesn't work. Mighty in God. Mighty in God. Pulling down his demolition of strongholds is a picture of a castle. A castle. How do you take apart a castle? Pretty hard to do. Impossible with just human hands. Literally impossible with just human hands. Yes, yes, we could invite, we can invent different. I'm talking about hum, literally human hands. Try taking a castle apart with your human hands. No other implement, just your human hands. You ain't gonna get it done. And that's the spiritual warfare that we're in right now. A castle is being built to isolate Christians. What are we going to do? Separate or gather together more? I would encourage you to gather together more. We need each other more and more and more. Father, we thank you and praise you for these days we're living in. There's nothing to fear. The enemy wants us to fear, but there's nothing to fear. Your son's coming back right on time. What's there to be afraid of? So, Father, we thank you and praise you that everything we have is yours anyways. You've just given it us to us to take care of it. But it's really not ours. When we die, we leave it to other people and they'll probably mismanage it. So Lord, we just thank you for what you give to us and we just pray that we'd use it wisely while we have it temporarily. None of us knows someone in this room might die this very day, very last breath. So Lord, help us to have a proper perspective. Do what we can do. Do what you've gifted us to do. Do what you've called us to do. But most importantly, fulfill your will and that's to be an ambassador for Christ to plant to water to fertilize and Lord if it's your will this week that we might pray with someone who knows Lord maybe pray with someone in an aisle pray with someone in a parking lot pray with someone at the church but that we'd be in a mode of being available to pray with someone maybe they'd want to receive Christ in the grocery store Your Holy Spirit knows no limits. Don't let us limit you, Father, but allow us to be available for the work of the ministry. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.